السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Can anyone hear me? Can you just uh, give me a sound check, please, somebody? Can you hear me? Can someone please just give me a sound check, make sure that you can hear me, please? As I don't know. Assalamu alaikum. Okay, Tusakallah khair. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. So welcome to our third lesson of Quranic progression QP for this year. And therefore our third lesson of um, the tafsir of Surah Al-Zalzala. And last week we covered the first two verses of Surah Al-Zalzala. In which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Iza zunzilatil ardu zinzalaha. Wa akhrajatil ardu athqalaha. And what I'd like to do before we move on, inshallah ta'ala, as a recap for what we did last week is, rather than me recapping, I'd like you to recap. So for verse number one, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Iza zunzilatil ardu zinzalaha. Which we discussed last week when the earth is shaken violently. In its last quaking, uh, can someone give me a brief, and I mean brief by by that, uh, a brief tafsir of, of what we said concerning verse number one. So what is the general meaning of this verse that we discussed last week? If someone can just type in please and let me know for verse number one. So we have the brief um, meaning. And also I'd like you to mention to me the difference of opinion that we mentioned for verse number one. So we said that the quaking or this earthquake that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to, there is a slight difference of opinion amongst the scholars with tafsir as to exactly what it is referring to. So also if someone can tell me that as well, what is that difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir? So this is a good way of, of revision, and it's a good way also of um, of getting, inshallah ta'ala, to see what people took away from last week's lesson. So... Um, Solange says the maf'ur al-mutlaq shows how powerful the shaking was. The maf'ur al-mutlaq being the last word of this verse. Zilza laha. Zilza laha. And the difference of opinion, as Solange mentions also, is whether it's the earthquake that takes place before Yom Al-Qiyamah, so it's one of the signs of the Day of Judgment, as was the position of some of the scholars with Tafsir, or whether it's the, uh, the, the earthquake itself is on Yom Al-Qiyamah. It's actually part of the striking of the Day of Judgment, which is the opinion of many of the scholars with tafsir, and that seems to be more apparent from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. And we said one of the reasons for that is because of the verse at the beginning of Surah Al-Hajj, in which Allah Azza wa says, Ya yuhan nasu rabbakum, inna zalzalat sa'ati shay'un azim. O mankind, be fearful of your Lord, for indeed the earthquake of the hour is a major event. So Allah Azza wa refers to the earthquake being part of the hour, being part of Yom Al-Qiyamah. Also, one of the things that we mentioned um, is how verse number one speaks about the uh, the major nature of this event. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about it, remember what we said, some of the scholars of tafsir said that the shaking of this earthquake comes from its very core. And so 
if you combine what Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying in Surah Al-Zalzara with what Allah Azza wa Jalla mentioned in Surah Al-Qari'ah, how the Qari'ah, that crashing sound that is from the blowing of the trumpet, goes and not only uh, strikes the ears, but all, all the way down to the inner body, to the heart, as some of the scholars of Tafsir mention. You have the human body being shaken to its core. You have the mountains that are turning to, to dust or to cotton uh, like tufts of wool, as mentioned also in Surah Al-Qari'ah. And in this verse, now Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying, and the whole earth begins to shake, which again shows to you the, the dramatic nature of what will happen on that day of judgment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us this imagery so that we understand and we know the importance of that event and how it's going to be unlike anything else that has been witnessed. Okay, so that's verse number one, very briefly. Verse number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَخْرَجَتِ الْأَرْضُ أَثْقَالَهَا when the earth throws out its burdens. So again, if someone can tell me what is the general tafsir of that verse, what, what is it that's being referred to when Allah Azza wa says, when the earth throws out, out, out its burdens, and also the difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir as to what the athqal or the burdens refer to. Remember what we said about the word thiqal, the root word of athqal, the, the singular form, refers to something which is weighty, something which is heavy, something which is burdensome. What is it that the scholars of tafsir said that it refers to? Let's see. Okay, so one of the opinions, again, you seem to be the only one today that's uh, that's revising with me, but um, one of the opinions is that it's the bodies that Allah Azza wa has placed all that we place in the earth when we bury our deceased and our dead. That's what's going to come out. Sumaira, Jazakallah Khair. Those are the three opinions that were mentioned by Sheikh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shaqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala. Number one, that the deceased is the burdens that has been referred to. Number two, that it is treasures. And this was the opinion of some of the scholars of Tafsir. They said that it refers to gold and silver. Remember what we said? That there are hadith that speak about that, but those the context of those hadith and narrations speak more about it being uh, regarding to the signs of Yom al Qiyamah. That from the signs of Yom al Qiyamah is that there will be treasure that will be unburied and people will fight over it right? to the extent that the one who kills and the one who's murdered over that treasure doesn't understand why they've been killed or everyone will go, people will go and people have broken up their family ties, people will murder, people will steal. All of them try to get that treasure, all of them returning without anything. But the context of those ahadith is one of the signs of Yom Al-Qiyamah. So similar to verse number one, some of the scholars of tafsir again have taken the signs of the Day of Judgment to be what is being referred to in this verse, verse number two. And the third opinion mentioned by Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin Al-Shaqiti rahimahullah ta'ala is that it's referring to the news of the earth that it will inform people of. And that's something which will now will come on to in the following verses. Right, so Allah Azza wa says, On Yom Al-Qiyamah, the earth will shake violently with such a violent shaking. And then Allah Azza wa says that the earth will bring forth its burdens. Everything that is contained within it, everything that is contained within it will be brought out. In verse number three then, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالَ الْإِنسَانُ مَا لَهَا When man cries out, what is happening to it? So man, when they will see humans, mankind, when they will see what is taking place on Yom Al-Qiyamah, they will ask and, and question what is happening to the earth. Al-Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, said that when Allah Azza wa says this concerning Yom Al-Qiyamah, what is happening to it on that day, it is people questioning what will happen on Yom Al-Qiyamah. 
people asking the question, what is happening to the, on this day of Yawm Al-Qiyamah? And he says that the opinion of Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhum, as mentioned by his student, Ikrima, rahimahullah ta'ala, is that this statement is a statement that is made by the disbelievers. And this is something now which we'll see as we go through the tafsir of this verse, that there is a, a difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir as to who is the insan. When Allah says, al insan, because the word al-insan refers to man, refers to humans. Who is it? Is it every human, meaning people in general, everyone will ask this question? Or is it a specific group of people, meaning the disbelievers? This statement of Ibn Abbas عنهما, seems to intimate the latter. And that is that it is the disbelievers who are asking this question. Why is it the disbelievers? Why not the believers? One of the scholars of tafsir we will mention in a short while gives us the reason for this. And again, that is by bringing other verses of the Quran together with this verse. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala says in his tafsir that the people on that day of Yawm Al-Qiyamah when they're resurrected and they see what's happening on that day or the people who are there on that day, when they see what is happening on that day, they will be amazed and shocked because the earth will no longer be like the earth that they recognize. So remember, as we've said previously in Surah Al-Qari'ah as well and even over the last couple of lessons in Surah Al-Zalzara, we're saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would change the earth in such a way that it becomes unrecognizable, not known. So the earth generally is considered to be stable, right? Generally, wherever you are on the earth, wherever you're walking, it is a stable place to live on, to work on, to walk on, to travel on. It is something which doesn't fluctuate. It's not something which is constantly unstable. It's not constantly shifting. It's not constantly, even earthquakes aren't something which happen every day of the year or something which is that common. They happen at certain times in certain places. And even the frequency of earthquakes, earthquakes that increase uh, in the lead up to Yom Al-Qiyam and the Day of Judgment are not to such a rate that it becomes an uh, uninhabitable place, that it becomes a place that the earth, we can no longer live on it, that it's no longer safe for us to live on or to walk on. On Yom Al-Qiyam, though, that changes. On Yom Al-Qiyam, it's no longer stable because the earth is shaking with such violence. And remember, as we said uh, last week, that when Allah says, إِذَا زُلْزِلَةِ الْأَرْضِ when the earth shakes, it's not just one city or one land or one country or a part of the earth. It is all of the earth that is shaking. And from the shaking or from the earthquake, one of the results of that then is that the surface of the earth changes. So the mountains are no longer there as they were before. They become uh, crumbling into dust and turning into tufts of wool. You have the the seas and the oceans that start to burn up and they are their water is, is, is taken from them. Uh, you have the trees that are removed, the buildings are removed, everything, every mound, every hill, everything that we noticed upon the earth, such as it was with its greenery and its beauty and its rivers and its gardens and its parks and everything else that we recognize as the earth will no longer be there on that day. As Allah says, On the day that the earth and the heavens will be changed into a different earth and heavens. And even though this particular surah concentrates on the earth. We know from other surahs of the Quran and we'll come unto them inshallah ta'ala when we speak about surah al-takweer, surah al-infitar, those surahs towards the uh, end of or the towards the very beginning of, of surah uh, or the 30th juz, juz amma. In those surahs Allah azza wa speaks about how things in the heavens also change. So the sun loses its light, the moon is eclipsed, the stars fall and they scatter. So it's not just the earth that changes or rather it is the heavens, everything therefore that we recognize as being the earth and as being the place that we live upon, that we inhabit, 
Allah Azza wa causes it to change. And that's what Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, says that because of that sudden and severe change, that the earth is no longer a stable place, but rather it's shaking and it's moving and it's unstable. And what the people have also become under, uh, become uh, accustomed to from the mountains that they see and the buildings and the trees, what they have come to know as the landmarks of the earth that they live upon, all of that will change. And then he says, rahimahullah ta'ala, and from that earthquake also, as Allah mentions in the second verse, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause the earth to bring out everything that it contains from the bodies of the people, from the first people that Allah created until the very last of them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. And if you can imagine how, you know, even now they say that the earth, because of its six, seven billion odd people, is congested because of how many people are upon the earth. Imagine then when all of those people, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ever created from our father, Adam alayhi salam, until the, other, until the very last person that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create, all of them come out. It is when a combination of these two events take place, verse 1 and verse 2, the earth changing in its very impactful, shocking way, and the way then the, the people are caused to come out of their graves and stand as resurrected as resurrected people, that the people then start to look at this and start to question out of amazement, out of shock, out of not understanding what's going on. And they say, Malaha, what is happening around us? What is this that we are seeing? Al Imam al Shawkani, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, says something similar, but he says that the questioning, Waqal al Insan, Malaha, he's from the scholars who say that this question is something that is posed by every person. So it's not just limited to the disbelievers. But even the believers, the Muslims, everyone, because of the shock of that day, we will they will see what they see on that day. They will see what they see on Yomul Qiyamah. And if you look at the text of the Quran and the Sunnah, it's very interesting because we see that on Yomul Qiyamah there are certain things that everyone will go through, everyone will see, and everyone will go through because all of them together uh, experience the situation of Yomul Qiyamah. But then there are certain things which affect the disbelievers more than the believers because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to the believers safety and Allah azza wa gives them serenity and a peace and tranquility that Allah places around them and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shades them with his, with their, because of certain good deeds that they perform like sadaqah or because of one of those deeds that the Prophet sallallahu mentioned in the famous hadith of the seven that will receive shade on the day that there will be no shade except the shade of Allah azza wa Those hadith, so the believers are there with the disbelievers and they experience what they experience from one extent but from another extent Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them safety so this is an interesting question here because which one of these when people see the shock and the awe of what is on that day of Yom Al-Qiyamah how much of it will the disbelievers or is this particular thing something which will affect everyone in terms of them questioning or is it something which uh, which is only seen by the disbelievers as being something which they don't understand. As for the believers, they understand. So one body of opinion amongst the scholars, as an Imam al-Shawkani, rahimahullah ta'ala, favors in his tafsir, is that it is something which affects everyone, believers and disbelievers alike. It is something which every human will experience and will say, what is wrong with this earth? What is happening to this earth? He says, because of how shocked they are, because of what they witness. And he also mentions the second opinion then that we already mentioned of Ibn Abbas that the one who is shocked by this and utters this statement is the disbeliever. Uh, Al-Imam al-Shanqiti or Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti rahimahullah ta'ala in his tafsir, he mentions this in more detail and he says that even though the wording that Allah uses would seem to suggest 
that it is every person, every human that goes through this, every human that sees uh, that sees Yomul Qiyamah in this way is shocked by it, asks this question, ponders over it, is is surprised by what is taking place. He says, even though the word insan is a general word, it's something which includes everyone, believers and disbelievers. But he says, however, we find in other verses of the Quran that which supports the opinion of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, and those scholars who said that the statement is actually one that is made by the disbelievers and not by the believers. And that verse is the verse in Surah Yasin in, in verses 51 and 52, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that when the uh, when the trumpet is blown, when the trumpet is blown and the people will be resurrected and they will stand from their graves and they will come and be presented before their Lord, they will say, They will say, Woe to us who caused us to rise from our place of rest, who caused us to rise from our place of rest. And then they will say, they will say, this is the promise of Ar-Rahman that Allah made to us and the believers were truth, or the messengers rather were truthful in the message that they brought. Which shows then that this is the statement of the believers. Shaykh Muhammad Al-Amin ta'ala says, therefore when we bring verse number 3 of Surah Al-Zalzala, verses 51 and 52 of Surah Yasin, and bring them together, which is what he does in his tafsir, tafsir of the Quran with the Quran, as we mentioned before, when we spoke, uh, I think, about him last year briefly, his tafsir, Adwa'ul Bayan, is amazing in that he brings the tafsir of the Quran with the Quran, and that is from the greatest ways and manners of making tafsir of methods, greatest methods of making tafsir of the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, using the Quran to understand the Quran, making the Quran, verses of the Quran, complement other verses of the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says when we bring these verses together, we see therefore a difference in the way that people respond. Allah Azza wa has mentioned in Surah Yasin that the believers, they understand, even though they are surprised initially, they understand very quickly and they have that type of tranquility and the type of inner peace that Allah Azza wa places upon them, that they are then able to see and recognize that this is something which um, this is something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is the promise that Allah gave, meaning that this is the promise of resurrection, of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, of being held to account for our deeds. So Shaykh Al-Shanqiti ta'ala says, therefore, it is the disbeliever who calls out, and he is the one who, at the beginning, uh, will say, قَالُوا يَا وَيْلَنَا مَنْ بَعَثَنَا مِنْ مَرْقَدِنَا who is it that caused us to rise from our place of rest? Who is it that caused us to res- be resurrected after we were given death? And they are the ones who will say, ما لها وقال الإنسان ما لها What is going on in on this earth? What is happening to this earth? And the believers, Allah Azza wa gives them a sense of tranquility, of inner, inner yaqeen, inner certainty, inner belief that they recognize what is going on. And so they make that statement. This is the promise of Rahman and the messengers were truthful in what they brought. And that is the tafsir of verse number three. So therefore, verse number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in it is telling us of how uh, amazing or how major that event is of Yawm Al-Qiyamah when the earth has this earthquake, when people are resurrected from their graves, that the people who are resurrected in that manner, especially the disbelievers amongst them, are those people who then they question what is taking place, not understanding the full intensity of what is going on. 
And that shows to us something which is also uh, very important when we reflect on these verses. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows that even the people who are disbelievers, even on Yawm al-Qiyamah, especially initially when they're first resurrected, when they first come back to life, they are in a state of being befuddled, of being confused, of not understanding what is going on. And then the reality will hit them that this is the day of judgment. This is what Allah promised. This is what those prophets promised. This is what the religion of Islam promised. This is what Allah in the Quran promised. And that is when they will realize the evil of their ways and how much they uh, how much they neglected of their of their life in the dunya and how much they wasted of their time when they turned away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and disbelieved in him. And then this is also a very important lesson for us because how easy is it for us to become distracted as well? How often does shaitan come and he also pulls the wool over our eyes? He makes us not understand what's going on. He makes us focus on the dunya, focus on jobs and careers and family. And no doubt those things are important, but they're only important when they fit within that greater goal of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worshipping him. If you're sidetracked from that and you're so focused on other things that you forget about the overall goal, you forget about the greater purpose of being in the dunya, the purpose of worshipping Allah and working for the akhirah. That is when shaitan comes and he pulls the wool over our eyes. He confuses us. He distracts us. And so we don't realize how quickly that time passes. And so people on Yom Al-Qiyamah will understand the time that they lost, the time that they wasted, the time that they should have spent doing good and working for good and worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Allah Azza wa Jal, even though he mentions this about the disbelievers, that they're the ones who primarily suffer that shock, suffer that confusion. They're the ones who initially don't understand what's going on. It is a reminder to us as well, because there will be people on Yom Al-Qiyamah who disbelieved, who will be shocked on that day because of the disbelief that they had concerning Yom Al-Qiyamah, the Day of Judgment. But there will equally be people on that day who will be shocked because of the time that they wasted because of the opportunity that Allah Azza wa gave to them in the dunya that they squandered. And on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they will see the reality of that as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those who use this time and opportunity wisely that Allah Azza wa has given to us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us this reminder. And look at the simplicity of the beauty of the Arabic language and the words of the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't go into great detail. Allah Azza wa doesn't go into, the, in, in, into, into some kind of elaborate construct of what they will say and how they will say it it's a very simple statement ma laha mubtada and khabar it's a simple sentence ma laha what is going on what's happening and that's enough to show their state of confusion of that day until the reality will hit them that it is yawm al-qiyamah the day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised to them that would come so then in verse number in in verse number 4 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on that day, it will tell all, meaning the earth will tell all. So this is the fourth description now that we have on Yom, about this Yom Al-Qiyamah, the description from the descriptions of the Day of Judgment that Allah gives in Surah Al-Zalzalah. Number four is that on that day, it will tell all. So the first one is about the earthquake. The second one is about the resurrection of the dead from their graves. The third one is the confusion of the people on, on the Day of Judgment and their questioning of what is happening around them. Number four is that the earth will speak and it will speak and it will tell all. There is a hadith of Abu Hurairah that is collected in the Nasa'i and uh, At-Tirmidhi and Muslim of Imam Ahmad. And there is a difference of opinion concerning its authenticity. Some of the scholars said that it is weak. 
And that is that it is said that the Prophet ﷺ recited this verse, On that day the earth will give forth its news, meaning that it will tell all. And the Prophet said, وسلم, Do you know what its news is? The companions replied, Allah and his messenger knows, know best. He said, وسلم, Its news is that it will testify upon every single male and female about that which they did upon it. And it will say that so-and-so did such-and-such a thing on this day. And so-and-so did such-and-such a thing upon that day. That is the news that it will have. And that is the news that Allah Azza wa will command it to share on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. This is a hadith, as we say, there is a difference of opinion over its authenticity. But even if we say that it is a weak hadith, which was the position of, of Shaykh Al-Bani, rahimahullah ta'ala, its, uh, its uh, statement is true. Its, its meaning is correct because it is established in the Sharia, not least of all, from this verse of the Quran. From this verse of the Quran. So it may not be authentic as a statement of the Prophet, وسلم, but the concept is a correct concept. The meaning is correct in the sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to us in the Quran, in this verse, that the earth will speak and the earth will tell its news. Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah ta'ala, as mentioned by Abdul Razak in his tafsir, and the tafsir of Abdul Razak, I don't know if we if we spoke about this previously in our last couple of years of QP, but it is one of the earliest tafsir. So Abdul Razak um, is also the scholar who has the Musannaf, Musannaf Abdul Razak, the collection of hadith. Abdul Razak is uh, one of the great scholars of Islam. Abdul Razak ibn Hammam al-Sanani, rahimahullah ta'ala, from the great scholars of Yemen, from the teachers of the likes of Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah ta'ala. He's an illustrious scholar and he's one of the earliest to write, whose, whose works, that have, especially that have survived and come to us, he has a tafsir, and his tafsir, very much like the tafsir of Ibn Abi Hatim, is a tafsir of narration similar to a tabri but a tabri will, will, as we mentioned, will give his own opinions, and he will say this is correct and incorrect, and this is, he will bring and he will he will add to it. These other tafsir, especially the early ones, because both Abdul Razak and both Ibn Abi Hatim predate a tabri rahimahullah ta'ala, they are senior to him, they focus more on just narrations without really mentioning their own opinions necessarily. He mentions in his tafsir, rahimahullah ta'ala, the statement of Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah, the great illustrious scholar from the scholars of, of Kufa of his time, from the great scholars of his time, of his generation. He said that the meaning of this verse, وَأَخْرَجَتِ الْأَرْضُ أَثْقَالَهَا وَقَالَ الْإِنسَانُ مَا لَهَا يَوْمَئِذٍ تُحَدِّثُ أَخْبَارَهَا He says that it is that Allah Azza wa Jal will make the earth speak about everything that it bore witness to from good and from evil. And if you just stop and pause at this, can you imagine what the earth has witnessed from the inception of time, from the beginning of time in which Allah first created the earth and the first human, Adam السلام, that descended upon earth from that time until our time and then until Yawm Al-Qiyamah, everything that the earth has witnessed from the deeds of people, from their actions, from their statements, from the repercussions of what they did, so because a person maybe did something and they didn't really realize its ramifications, its consequences, but those consequences reached far and wide, perhaps to different corners and reaches of the world. And the earth bears witness to each and every single one of them. The earth sees where we walk and how we behave and what we do and what we touch and what we say and who we speak to and all of that that we've done within the earth because everything that we do in terms of evil deeds and good deeds is done in some corner of the earth. And that's why... You know, you have that famous story of the man who came to the scholar and he said to him, tell me or give me some advice to stop me from sinning. And from the advice that he gave to him is that if you're going to sin, 
then do so in a place that Allah cannot see. Because it is not befitting that you live upon Allah's earth and that you enjoy his blessings and then you sin openly in front of him. And the man replies and he says, but there's no corner of the earth, obviously, that Allah doesn't own, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot see, that Allah is unaware of. And so likewise, Allah is saying, leave aside the knowledge of Allah, that Allah sees all and hears all and knows all. Look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the earth as being a place of, 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 of bearing witness, of being a, a witness itself, of giving testimony and testifying on its own behalf of, of what happened upon it, of everything that took place, of every action and deed that a person performed. If good, then good, and if evil, then evil. And even that in itself shows how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Yawm Al-Qiyamah, as Allah mentions in various verses of the Quran, as is mentioned also in a number of hadith in the Sunnah, Allah Azzawajal speaks about the concept of establishing uh, evidence upon people, Iqamatul Hujjah, which is establishing evidence upon people. So when, for example, you go to court, you need witnesses against you or for you, you need someone, some kind of proof and evidence in order to present to the judge. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though he knows all and he hears all, and Allah azza wa jalla, nothing escapes him from his justice on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, is that he will have other people testify and other things testify against that person. So the prophets will be witnesses. This ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam will be a witness. He will testify against other nations as Allah mentions in Surah Al-Baqarah. وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا Thus we have made, made you the balanced middle path nation so that you may be witnesses amongst all of the other people and your messenger will be a witness over you. And as I mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that Allah will call out the Prophet Nuh on the day of judgment and he will say, Oh Nuh, did you convey the message? And he will say, Yes, O oh Allah. So Allah will ask the people of Nuh, did he convey the message to you? And they will say, No, O oh Allah, no messenger came to us, no prophet came to us. So Allah Azza wa will ask the Prophet, the, ask the Prophet Nuh salam, who are your witnesses? Who will testify on your behalf that you conveyed the message? And Nuh salam will respond and he will say, the ummah of the Prophet And that is the meaning of this verse. We will testify. How do we testify? Because of the knowledge that Allah Azza wa gave to us in the Quran that Allah told us about the story of Nuh salam and how the people of Nuh rejected him and what they said in return to him and that whole story that Allah mentions multiple times in his book subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah establishes on Yawm Al-Qiyamah that people will be witnesses. So you have the prophets as witnesses. This ummah is a witness. Then you have people witnesses against one another even within a single nation. This person did this to me, oh Allah, and that person did that to me, oh Allah, and so on and so forth. And then on top of that, a person will have their own body parts being witnesses against them, as Allah Azza wa mentions elsewhere in the Quran. وَقَالُوا لِجُلُودِهِمْ لِمَ شَهِدْتُمْ عَلَيْنَا قَالُوا أَنْتَقَنَ اللَّهُ الَّذِي أَنْتَقَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ When the disbelievers will say to their own body parts, and why have you been witnesses against ourselves? You're witnessing against your own self. Your hands are speaking against you. Your feet against you. And they will say, Allah gave us the ability to speak, and He's the one who gives everything the ability to speak. And so the a person themselves will, will 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 sometimes be a witness against their own selves when that person refuses to accept any other proof. And from the proofs and from the witnesses that Allah Azzawajal therefore mentions to us is the earth. That the earth will speak out. The earth will be a witness against us. The earth will, will speak out and will say what it needs to say. And this is the statement of Sufyan al-Thawri 
rahimahullah ta'ala. That in itself is a very sobering uh, moment for us to contemplate on, to understand the gravity of this, that Allah Azza tells us that the earth is something which will testify against us. Ibn Zayd rahimahullah ta'ala said something similar. He said, Yawma idhin tuhaddith wa On that day, meaning the day of judgment, it will tell forth its news, meaning everything that took place upon it from all of the actions of Allah's servants, Allah's creation. Everything that a person did, it will take place, and that it, that took place upon it, it will speak out and it will mention what took place upon it. And Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, mentions something also similar. He says, He says, on that day the earth will speak forth and it will speak about what took place. And it will speak about everything that happened upon it, as is mentioned from by a number of the statements of the Salaf, of the scholars and of the companions. He said from those who said this was Abdullah bin Mas'ud, radiyallahu an. He said that indeed Allah Azza wa Jal will allow and command the earth to speak and he will, he will, uh, he will uh, inspire it to speak and he will do so by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's also something which Allah Azza wa Jal tells us in the Quran that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the only people or the only things, anything that speaks, only does so by the permission of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Anything that speaks only speaks because Allah allows it to speak. And Allah Azza wa Jal allows it to give testimony or to intercede. Sa'id ibn Jubair, rahimahullah ta'ala, he has a slightly, uh, and Sa'id ibn Jubair is also from the scholars of the Tabi'een, from the students of Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah and others. He has a slightly different tafsir for this verse, and he says that this verse, that the earth will tell all, is actually expanding upon verse number two, when Allah Azza wa Jal says that it will bring out and its burdens, and its burdens meaning its people. He says that's what it's referring to. So on the day that Allah Azza wa Jal causes the dead to rise out and the people will say what is going on, that is the day that it will tell all. Meaning, how will it tell all? Because the people who come out of it are the ones who will be witnesses and they will be the ones who speak and tell all. So it's not referring to the earth itself speaking, but rather the inhabitants that were buried within the earth. They are the ones who come out and because they have come out of the earth, it is as if the earth itself is speaking, but rather it is them that are actually speaking. This was the statement of of Ibn Sa'id ibn Jubayr rahimahullah ta'ala and his opinion. But in, in my uh, research and what I could find anyway in my tafsir, uh, this is a statement that is attributed to him rahimahullah ta'ala, but it is not the opinion of the majority. The opinion of the majority of the scholars of tafsir seems to be going towards and leaning towards the opinion that we mentioned before, Sufyan al-Thawri and others, and the one that al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala mentions as being the statement of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu an amongst many others, and that is that it is the earth itself that will have the ability to speak. And this uh, is something which other scholars of tafsir also um, chose as the opinion uh, or, or, or the tafsir of this verse. And Imam al-Qurtubi, for example, rahimahullah ta'ala said, and when it comes to the earth speaking, there are three ways in which the scholars said that this is possible. He said, number one, that Allah azza wa jal will turn the earth into some type of a animal and therefore it will be allowed to speak. It will speak from by being turned into something else and it will speak therefore. Number two, that Allah Azza wa will allow it just to speak. It will, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give it the ability to speak. Or number three, that it will have some type of way of conveying information that will be similar to speech, but it is not speech in terms of having a mouth and a voice and sound. This is the three opinions that he gives. 
However, the strongest of those opinions and the one that will be chosen by many others, and it is the statement that you will find amongst especially the early scholars of Islam, is that when Allah says that something will speak, it is that it will speak, actually. It will actually speak. And how it speaks, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But it's not that it will be turned into some type of animal and then it speaks, or that it has some other form of communication that is similar to speech. It is when Allah says it speaks, therefore it speaks, and Allah knows best how he will make it do so. But there are other hadith uh, that mention this. For example, we know from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that there are the, from the signs of Yom al-Qiyamah is that a person will be able to speak to certain animals, that a person's stick will speak to them on Yom al-Qiyamah, that a person's body parts may speak to them as part of the signs of Yom al-Qiyamah. And so these are just signs of Yom al-Qiyamah, let alone what will happen on the Day of Judgment itself, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Ibn Atiyah, ta'ala, in his tafsir, mentioned the statement of Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu an and Imam Sufyar al-Thawri rahimahullahu ta'ala that the meaning of this verse wa is that the earth will bring forth testimony about everything that was performed on, upon it from the righteous actions and from the evil actions and he says and as for its speech the speech of the earth then it is a real speech and it is the speech that Allah Azza wa will allow it to have by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission and Allah Azza wa says he mentions a nice point here, uh, Ibn Atiyah in his tafsir, which is kind of like a tangent from, from what we're speaking about, but it is a nice point, and that is that Allah mentions right? Hadith is speech, right? to have speech, and khabar is more like news to inform. Allah didn't say or he didn't use the same verb and noun. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed them. Tuhaddithu akhbaraha. He could have said tukhbiru akhbaraha. Or tuhaddithu hadithaha. He could have used the same root word, verb and noun, to speak about them. But Allah azza wa jal changed between the two. Um, Ibn Atiyah rahimahullah ta'ala says that one of the things that it shows therefore, and this is actually a, 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 a research point about hadith. For those of you that are interested in, in, in hadith and the study of hadith, and especially in the readings of hadith, you will often find, for example, if you go to any of the collections of, of, of old hadith, Bukhari, Muslim, any of Mata'ma Malik, or any of those old books of hadith, one of the things that you find is a chain of narration, right? At the beginning of every hadith, you have a chain of narration. And in the chain of narration, what the uh, narrator is essentially telling you is who informed him, who spoke to him, who narrated to him this hadith. And the way that that narration is conveyed is done in a number of ways. From them is haddathana, right? And this is the point that he mentions here, haddathana. So I was informed, haddathana, right? Or another way is akhbarana, right? Those are the two most common that you will find in the books of hadith. So any book of hadith that you go to, if you find, you know, Bukhari, Muslim, all of these collections of hadith that I have here behind me, you will find within them in the chains of narration, haddathana. Akhbarana, right? That's what the scholars are saying. I was informed, someone told me, and someone narrated to me. He says, amongst the scholars of hadith, there is a difference of opinion. This is where this tangent kind of comes in. It's kind of not relevant to essentially what we're doing, but it is a very nice point that he brings. And that is, amongst the scholars of hadith, there is a difference of opinion as to whether those two terms, haddathana and akhbarana, mean the same thing, or whether there is a difference between the two. Some of the scholars say they mean one and the same thing, and that's why you'll find amongst some of the scholars of hadith, they interchange them. And they don't mind saying, حدثنا, because to them it means one and the same thing. 
And others from amongst the scholars of tafsir differentiated between the two. And they said, no, haddathana means one thing, akhbarana means one thing. Haddathana is when I read to you and you approve. Akhbarana is when you read to me and you tell me, you inform me. There's a difference between the two ways of conveying hadith. So here, the scholars say, Ibn Atiyah Ta'ala says, those scholars who said that they are one and the same thing use this verse because Allah interchanges them to hadithu akhbaraha. Right, and that is an opinion among scholars of the scholars, some of the scholars with tafsir, that you can use either of the two. And this is something which the scholars of hadith mention in their books of hadith, in the books of Mustalah, the sciences of hadith. Also, if you go to the last chapter of, uh, of Tirmidhi in his Jami', he has his final chapter, which is the chapter of Ilal. He speaks about this very briefly as well, about the difference of opinion amongst the scholars concerning this. Anyway, this is a slight tangent, but it's a nice point that is mentioned here because you find that this something has, and this is a... a, a it shows you a very beautiful point of how the scholars contemplated the Qur'an to the extent that they are able to derive from something so minute and so precise as this, a point of benefit that refers not just to another part of the Qur'an or another verse or another surah, but something which is a completely different science and something which seems very far off. But that's how much the scholars used to contemplate on the Qur'an and how they used to work towards the tafsir of the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so... Those scholars who say that Haddathana and Akhbarana are the same thing, one of the evidences they use is this particular verse because Allah Azza wa Jal uses them interchangeably to Haddithu Akhbaraha and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore mentions that Allah Azza wa Jal, that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions therefore in this verse, Ibn Atiyah says that the earth will speak and it will tell everyone. What or it will testify in front of Allah Azza wa as to what everyone performed upon it, either from good and righteous deeds or from evil deeds. And Imam Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, mentions, and I think we mentioned this uh, last week as well, the statement or part of the statement of Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala. And that is that Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, says that when Allah Azza wa has placed upon this earth everything that he has placed upon it, from its mountains and its valleys and its deserts and everything else that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed upon the surface and the face of the earth. And the earth has therefore borne witness to everything that has taken place. It is similar, as he said, as, and as we mentioned last week, to the mother that carries a child that is pregnant. And she carries a child and she bears that child for all of those months of labor. And as the child comes closer to the time of birth, she, her, her, stomach becomes bigger, the pregnancy becomes heavier, it becomes harder upon her, it becomes more burdensome because the weight and the size becomes bigger and bigger. That is how he says that the earth started off in the time at the very beginning when Adam salam is there, it's only one person. And Adam salam is a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then you have his children and then you have his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren and then you have people who do haram and they do evil and they do and they commit sin and all. And so over time it builds and it builds and it builds. And Allah Azza wa allows it to continue to build until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow it to essentially, for lack of a better term, give birth. And that is on Yawm Al-Qiyamah when it will expel everything within it. So it expels not only the people that were buried within it, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then also give it the ability to speak and to tell forth everything that took place upon it. And that's a very uh, nice way of understanding this verse that Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala mentions because the earth has borne witness to everything that has taken place 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he gives it the ability to speak it will testify against everyone and everything that has that has taken place upon that day of Yomul Qiyamah Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin Al-Shanqiti rahimahullah ta'ala in his tafsir he says and the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yawma idhin tuhaddithu akhbaraha he says the fact that Allah Azza wa says that it will tell all and it will speak all. He said the word hadith refers to speaking. And so therefore it is something which will happen, meaning that it's not just some type of metaphor. It's not just something that it is some type of communication that we don't understand. He says Allah Azza wa says that the earth will speak, so therefore it will speak. And he says, and that's something which we shouldn't be amazed by. It's not something which should be considered too far-fetched because we know that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah Azza wa will change everything. This surah is saying that everything that we have become accustomed to, that we consider to be normal and ordinary, will not be normal and ordinary on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Everything changes. So the earth will no longer be the earth. The mountains will no longer be the mountains. The sun, the moon, the function of all of these things that we are dependent upon for our survival by the permission of Allah Azza wa Jal, none of that remains on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So therefore, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to also change other things within that, so the earth speaks, that people, their mouths will be sealed and their body parts will testify against them. He says, isn't something that we should therefore think is something far-fetched or something which is beyond comprehension because that whole day, Allah is telling us throughout the Quran in various verses, in various surahs, in various manners, the Prophet ﷺ in the Sunnah is informing us that things will change so much on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow certain things to speak and certain things to talk from the things that Allah Azza wa has given the ability to speak is Jannah and Naar, the hellfire and paradise, as is mentioned in a number of hadith. From them is the hadith in which the Prophet told us وسلم, that the two of them complained, right? The two of them rather had an argument with one another. Paradise said that I am the abode of the poor and the humble. And the, and the hellfire said I am the abode of the haughty, of the haughty and the proud and I will punish them. And so Allah Azza wa Jal said to Paradise that you are my Rahmah, I will use you as my reward. And to the Hawfah, you are my punishment, I will use you as my punishment. And also we know from the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith that Allah Azza wa Jal in the day of judgment, as Allah mentions in Surah Qaf, that when the people of the fire will continue to be thrown into the fire wave upon wave, Allah will ask it, Halim Talati, are you full? And Allah says in the Quran, it will reply and it will say, Halmin Mazid. Are there any more to come? So Allah Azza wa will give certain things the ability to speak. From them is, as we said, also our body parts. When people will say to their own body parts, their skin, why have you testified against us? Meaning essentially against yourself. So Allah Azza wa tells us all of this within the Quran. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so Imam al-Shaqiti rahimahullah ta'ala says, therefore, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give the ability to these things to speak, it is not far-fetched, therefore, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also give the earth the ability to speak, that it may become a witness upon upon those people who walked and treaded upon it in terms of either good or in terms of evil. And it will be one of the greatest, most powerful witnesses if the earth will say that at such and such a time and such and such a day and in such and such a place, you did this or you did that, either of good or either of bad, then it's not something which is which is uh, far-fetched. And you know, Sheikh Shaqeet mentions the hadith uh, the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri an, which also goes to show how other things will bear witness for people on Yawm al-Qiyamah that are inanimate objects. The hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa when he spoke about from the virtues of the people who give adhan 
for the Mu'adhin, the one who gives the Adhan, la yasma'u sawtahu hajarun wa la madarun illa wa shahida lahu yawm al-qiyamah. He said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, nothing, no stone, no brick, nothing hears the Adhan, the voice of the Mu'adhin, except that it will testify on his behalf on yawm al-qiyamah. So therefore, the stones also on that day will testify for the Mu'adhin the, 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 who had the Adhan of that individual. And so Allah Azza wa Jalla tells us, therefore, in verse number four, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us that the earth will speak. What will it speak with? In verse number five, Allah Azza wa Jalla says, Because your Lord will inspire it to do so. Your Lord will command it to do so. And it will tell it to speak forth of everything that it knows. Mujahid rahimahullah ta'ala said that Allah Azza wa Jalla will command the earth and it will bring forth everything that it had, and it will, and it will, uh, and it will mention all of what it had contained. And Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah ta'ala, said, and it will speak about everything from good or from evil, because your Lord commanded it to do so, and your Lord taught it to do so. And Imam al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah ta'ala, said that the earth will speak, it will be inspired to speak, Allah Azza wa meaning will command, Allah will command the earth to speak and to give testimony. And so the earth will speak forth and it will give that testimony in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Atiyah rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, sorry, and Imam Qurtubi continues and he says, and therefore it will speak of everything that took place from the good deeds and from the evil deeds, from what people did of good and what from people did of evil, from the deeds that people brought people closer to Allah and the deeds that take people away further from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in these five verses, what you have is an amazing, uh, amazing depiction of what will take place on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Allah Azza wa says, number one, that the earth will shake violently in a way that it has never been before. To its very core, the whole of the earth will become unstable. And because of it, everything that we are familiar with upon the surface of the earth will no longer remain. Number two, that the earth will then take out from its belly, from its core, everyone that was buried within it. From all of the people from the beginning of time until the end of time, all of them will be made to stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On that day, people will be amazed, especially the disbelievers will be shocked and confused and will question what is taking place before they realize the reality and the severity of that day of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Number four, the earth, the earth itself will give testimony and will speak and will testify about what took place upon it, upon its surface, from good and from bad. It will, be, it will testify and it will do so, as Allah mentions in verse number five, by the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah azza wa will inspire it and command it to speak, and so it will do so. Ibn Atiyah rahimahullah ta'ala said, and therefore Allah azza wa will command it, and Allah azza wa uses the word awha, which means Allah, which means to inspire, meaning that Allah will give it the command to do so. And he said the word wahi, in the Arabic language, means to um, to give a secret command. I mean, because revelation comes in a in a private way. When this when revelation comes to a person, meaning a prophet or a messenger of Allah Azza wa Jal, it comes to them in a private way. It's not done necessarily in front of everyone. Not everyone hears or experiences that revelation. They may see and witness someone receiving revelation, as sometimes the companions did with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But what is being revealed, the message that is given, is something which is very private to that individual. Likewise, Allah Azza wa uses the word awha in this verse, verse number five, Ibn Atiyah says, so it is something therefore that we understand is a private command that Allah will give to the earth that it will command it to speak. And when it, do so, when it does so, it will speak and it will bring forth everything 
that will happen on that day. And so those are the that's the tafsir of the first five verses, and inshallah ta'ala will leave the last two or three verses until next week because now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then speak to us and tell us that on that day, that is when people will now see their deeds. And that's why we understand when Allah will say towards the end of the surah how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make even the smallest of deeds clear. We will see and we will witness even the smallest of deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then shows us the importance of of understanding these verses and how the testimony of the earth works on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those people who the earth will testify in a good way on, on their behalf. May Allah azza wa make us, make us from amongst those people who on this earth we do what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We use our time in a wise manner and we're from amongst those people who as Allah mentions in the Quran, when they walk upon the earth, they do so in humility and humbleness. rahman they walk upon the earth with humbleness, humility, thanking Allah Azza wa Jal, worshipping Him, praising Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those people. Allahumma ameen. Okay, let me um, take a few questions inshallah ta'ala before we conclude for today. Um, Lisa has a few questions. In the first lesson of this year, you refer to Surah Al-Kafirun being equal to a quarter of the Quran as authentic. I look back at the Kafirun notes in this class. You mentioned a hadith narrated by Anas ibn Malik in Tirmidhi about the man who was unmarried and his diary and Kafirun being equal to a quarter of the Quran. You said the majority of the scholars said it was a weak narration. Uh, I'll have to go back and check that, Lisa, but I think um, from what I remember, there are a number of narrations um, concerning Surah Al-Kafirun. I think that one of them, some of the scholars said that it is, it is authentic. But I will, inshallah ta'ala, if you email me that, inshallah, I will go back and check that for you. Question number two, verse number two, Imam al-Tabari, commentary, clarification, question. He said that the earth will take out the deceased buried within it and that the living person was also a heaviness. So Imam al-Tabari said that there are two types of burden upon the earth. One is within it from the deceased and the living are also a burden upon the earth because they also obviously continue to do actions and, and sin and so on. So the earth holds both of those burdens. Yom al-Qiyamah, obviously all of them come out because everyone will die with the blowing of the first trumpet, even those that are living, and then they are resurrected. But for the purposes of of um, of of the earth, as it is at the moment, is referring to has both of those types of, of burdens within it, one upon it, one within it. There was no mention of the living being thrown out. Does Imam Tabri hold the opinion that the earth will throw out both the deceased within it and the living upon it, or just the deceased? No. So the the earth um, obviously takes out those that are deceased within, but the living upon it that also die will be resurrected. So it comes back to the same same uh, meaning. And the meaning of the verse is that everyone upon it will be resurrected. How does the earth remove its burdens? By them being resurrected and by being made to stand from their graves. Riaz asks, uh, slightly off topic, what about the people Allah allowed Isa to raise from the dead? Are they awoken twice? And they faced the do they face the sakarati mot twice? Those people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will also obviously cause them to rise because they are dead. So therefore, when they awake, they will be awoken again. So the people who are uh, are dead in their graves, Allah is referring to all of them. So everyone that has passed away, everyone that passes away that is buried in the earth or that dies in some way or form, even if they're not buried, 
maybe they're cremated, maybe they lost at sea, something else happens to them, they're, they're burnt in a fire, so they become ashes. Whatever them, Allah Azza wa Jal will resurrect them all, bring their bodies together and resurrect them all. And so it's referring to all of them. It's referring to all of them. Whether the people of Isa salam faced the um, the Sakaratul Mot, meaning the pangs of death twice or not, Allahu Alam. I don't know. And I don't know of any narration that comes to mind concerning that. So Allah Azza wa Jal knows best in terms of the reality of how that was done. Hasiya asks, Sheikh, I would like to know if I should repeat the Mu'awidah Tain and Surah Al Ikhlas three times after Fajr and during the morning Adhkar, or should I recite them once after Fajr? So the in the morning and the evening, the Prophet Sallallahu what is reported is that he would read Surah Al Ikhlas and the Mu'awidah Tain, which is Surah Al Falaq and Surah Al Nas, three times. Now the question therefore that comes is when are the morning adhkar done? What is the time of the morning adhkar? And what seems to be the uh, the stronger of the opinions and there is, there is a difference of opinion as to exactly when that time starts and ends but what seems to be the practice or the best practice of that is that the morning adhkar are done after Fajr prayer because it is with the setting of the dawn with the coming of the dawn that the morning begins. So Fajr marks the appearance of dawn and with that therefore the morning starts so the time of making those adhkar comes from the time of fajr and likewise the evening adhkar with maghrib because with the sun setting then the evening adhkar are done and so that's why a number of our our mashayikh and our scholars when they would teach us about the morning and evening adhkar their morning and evening adhkar they would say would should be done after fajr and after maghrib respectively and so therefore uh, your reading after Fajr and reading after Salatul Maghrib for the morning and evening adhkar would be three times for Suratul Ikhlas, Suratul Falaq, and Suratul Nas. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Okay. If there's no, uh, I'll give you like another few minutes after. So Sulaj asks, not after Asr. So as I said, there's a difference of opinion, right? So some of the scholars would say, after Asr, some of them said just before Maghrib, and some of them said there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars as to what is the timing of. And some of the scholars, by the way, said that any time, so from uh, uh, this is the opinion of some of the scholars, that any time of the day for the morning adhkar, any time of the evening or the night for the for the night adhkar. However, the position that seems to be stronger and Allah Azza wa knows best, um, and what seems to be the position that, that at least that I took from my shuyukh, is that the best practice would be to do it after Salatul Fajr and after Salatul Maghrib. And one of the benefits of, of doing that that I found in a practical way is that you're most likely to remember it to make it as part of your routine. Because often after Asr, if you're busy or you delay the prayer or you don't remember or something else goes on, unless you're someone who's very disciplined and you've made that into such a habit that you're never going to forget, it can be something which escapes you. But to do it after Fajr and after Maghrib is something which helps in terms of, um, you know, in terms of just keeping a good routine as well. It keeps a good routine, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Okay, so Jazakumullah khairan. I think we will leave it there for today. Barakallahu fikum. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all, and may Allah Azza wa Jal keep you all safe. Jazakumullah khairan. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.